Hello, and welcome to Season 3 of the Odo Mentor Podcast. We have made it to 2021, and I'm excited to bring you more episodes providing mentorship for your otolaryngology career. I'm your host, Christina Cabrera-Muffley. All of the opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely my own or my guests. Let's get to it. This is Season 3, Episode 3, Away Rotations in Otolaryngology. I'm excited to have two guests today. My first is Dr. Ann Getz. She graduated from Jefferson Medical School, then attended the University of Pennsylvania for her otolaryngology residency, completed a rhinology fellowship at Stanford, and then was at Washington University for five years before joining us at the University of Colorado. Dr. Getz serves as one of my associate program directors, and in her free time, she is a wife and mother to two kids under the age of four. My second guest today is Dr. Victoria Fishman. Dr. Fishman graduated from Tufts Medical School and is now a resident at the University of Colorado. We were excited to recruit her here after she did an away rotation with us. She is originally from Maine and likes to explore the outdoors with her boyfriend, Evan. Great to have you on the show, and welcome, Anne and Victoria. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So this is an episode about away rotations. We clearly have had some changes over the last year. We used to have multiple months of away rotations for medical students applying to otolaryngology to our program, but last year we really weren't able to do this. So what is an away rotation What does that even mean? And I'll have Victoria take this since you were very close to it. (laughs) Yeah. So an away rotation is also called many other things that you will hear. It's also called a sub-I or a sub-internship or an externship. And essentially what it is, is in your fourth year of medical school, once you've decided on the specialty that you want to go into and that you're going to apply residency in, then you look at other programs across the country or even locally and decide to do a typically a month-long rotation with that program. And in the sense, it's called a sub-internship because you're supposed to act like an intern. So it's also called an acting internship. And you're supposed to sort of straddle the line between a fourth-year med student and an intern. Yes. And so what was your timeline? You were able to do an away rotation actually with us from your medical school. So what was the timeline when you were setting that up? Yeah, so each medical school is set up with a slightly different start to their fourth year. So timing can be slightly different depending on the school that you're at. For me, we started setting up our fourth year starts relatively early from the med school I went to. So we were able to start doing away rotations as early as May or June. Some other colleagues that I've heard of weren't able to start doing away rotations until later in the summer, like June or July. As you're starting to think, as you're going through your fourth year, what specialty you're interested in, there's a website called VSAS, which is the Visiting Student Application Service. And going back through my emails and timeline from there, from that time, I set up my account with them in January of the year I was planning to apply. And at that point, you can just start sort of browsing different programs, looking at when their dates are, what their offerings are, and getting a sense of where you might want to go, and seeing also which programs line up with the blocks of your 
particular med school. You can start getting supplies together like transcript, CV, cover letter, your step one score report, headshot, things like that. And then I ended up submitting my application to away rotations around the end of March and reached out to programs after that uh, in the beginning of April and then heard back the end of April, beginning of May for my rotations, which I ended up doing in June and July. So it is a pretty quick turnaround if you're doing these earlier summer rotations. So that's something to keep in mind in terms of looking for housing as soon as you get the rotation, that sort of a thing. But those are the general timelines. And then I would say most away rotations are done sometime in the summer before the applications are due. And Dr. Getz, Anne, on the other side, right, on the educator side, how do you view away rotations? Like how useful is that? They are highly important in my opinion. Certainly extremely important for those of you listening who may be in a place that does not have a home department, um, then it becomes really critical, I think, to do an away rotation. But really for anyone, there is an extreme value in getting a different point of view than your home institution and your home department and really diversifying your experience and your exposure and Also, really getting what can be considered an early interview at a program. So picking a program that isn't just in a great location to spend several weeks of your fourth year, but also a program that you you are legitimately interested in and really taking advantage of that opportunity to show yourself off. And again, to get information about what are some of the strengths of different programs and being able to highlight and bring a different perspective home to your home institution as well. So I cannot encourage an away rotation enough. So last year when we couldn't have away rotations, do you feel like that influenced the application process negatively, both on our side for recruitment and also on the medical student side? I do. I mean, it was obviously a a very unfortunate situation and most programs were prohibited from accepting away rotators. So that was very unfortunate. I think that it's always, you know, as someone who participates in the residency interview process, it's always such an advantage to have met a person and really interacted with them in a meaningful way rather than just meeting them really for the first time in an interview. So I do think that from both sides, from our side as interviewers and unfortunately from the applicant side, it was a disadvantage this last year. Yeah, and we just received not too long ago an email from the Coalition for Physician Accountability. The program directors received this. The AAMC is a member of that coalition, and they have actually put out recommendations for this year's away rotations. So they have recommended that away rotations not start until August 1st of 2021, and that medical students only do one away rotation this year so that they're limiting the amount of travel. So in a normal year, if you could do as many away rotations as you wanted, how many do each of you think is the ideal number in otolaryngology? 
I would say on the average is two to three. I did two. I would say there were a large amount of people I met who did three. I think any more than that, and it gets difficult to finish your requirements from your home institution, and it just gets financially expensive and emotionally exhausting because they are hard months and you are sort of living away from family and friends sometimes. So I would say no more than three and the average two to three. I would echo what Victoria said. I I agree with those numbers. I think that two is a great number. I think three is nice, but as Victoria pointed out, can get a bit much just in terms of scheduling and logistics and finances. And do you think people that don't have a home program should do more than people that have a home program? I think three would be a great compliment for an applicant without a home program, but I don't think that two is too few in that case. But ideally, if three could be done, that would be, that would be great. If you're going to try to do two to three away rotations, how many should you apply to? Since there are some logistical challenges with getting all set up, and should you have any concerns about declining an offer for an away? I'm also curious to hear your answers to this. I was given the advice that you shouldn't try to overapply because you don't want to end up declining. And so if you're able to apply on sort of a rolling basis, that is a little more helpful. It takes a little bit more planning and maybe being a little bit more selective in applying to a program where you have some sort of personal connection or reason to want to go there. And you can reach out to that program and express that interest versus just blanket applying like maybe a little more more common later on in the application cycle. I have heard from prior applicants in other seasons that an institution that they declined in a way rotation at then didn't give them an interview. And I don't know if that's something that is even seen if it was just a coincidence, if that's something you see on your end, but that was advice I had gotten. I mean, I personally don't blackball anybody who declines in a way rotation because I know that, you know, when you're trying to coordinate three, two to three rotations in a summer and there's very tight time frame, that you can't always predict that. But I don't know what your feelings on that are, Anne. I agree. I, I wouldn't personally blackball anyone. At the same time, I don't think it makes great sense to drastically over apply and set yourself up for knowing that you will have to decline multiple programs. You don't ever want to have to second guess if you didn't get that interview because you (laughs) had formerly declined an opportunity to rotate there. So it is a bit of a challenge logistically. So it's expected. It's, It's not unusual to have to decline for one reason or another. And I would just add to that just briefly, if you have to decline because you think your schedules won't work out, I would try to talk with the coordinator and see if there are other months that may work out. And maybe you can do that away rotation later on than you originally planned. But that could be a way to avoid having to decline and make your schedule work for you. I also think that looks better, right, than saying, oh, well, I got a better opportunity somewhere else. Blame it on the schedule. Yes. (laughs) So do you feel like this is really a month-long interview from each of your perspectives? 
In ways, I think it is. I think that there's no way to not have it be an interview from from both perspectives, not just from the institution, but also from the applicant. A program might seem very appealing on paper. And once you get there, either it just, you know, it's not what it maybe seemed like it was on the advertisement or just from a personality standpoint, it might not feel like a place that you may fit in well and and learn well in that environment. So I think that it it absolutely is an interview from all perspectives. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And I think that's part of why I felt okay doing two and doing more than three would be exhausting because as a medical student, you do feel like it is a month-long interview and you're always trying to impress the people around you and it takes a lot of bandwidth to do that. So it can be tiring. But like Dr. Getz was saying, you're also learning a lot and you are interviewing the program too and getting a sense of what it would be like to be a learner there and be a resident there. And so how do you make that and turn that into your advantage, really? How do you shine when you're on your away rotation? What are the things that you can do? So the best advice that I got was essentially to not be annoying for better or for worse. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's really about just sort of getting along with the people around you and being nice to every single person that you meet and not sort of overstepping your boundaries, but at the same time, not just being a shadow in the background. And that's a delicate balance that can be difficult to figure out and it can change day to day and definitely institution to institution especially on a surgical subspecialty it can be very different than a medical sub-internship where you're doing you're acting maybe more like an intern than you would be on a surgical subspecialty sub-I so being okay with your role and trying to do the most you can within your role I would say is important and then just reading as much as you can and trying to prepare for the next day, you know, studying, asking the residents how this attending likes to do certain things or what common questions are asked about a certain procedure. Those sorts of things can be really helpful for being prepared for the next day, the cases or the clinic that you're in the day before. I would also say that trying to connect with one or two faculty members at the institution you're at, whether that's being in clinic with them a couple of times or the OR with them a couple of times can help sort of build a connection that you can use to your advantage later on as they're advocating for you. Yeah, I would just add to that from an attending point of view, and Victoria touched on this somewhat, but just really being engaged in whatever way that means. Um, So asking questions, being interested in what's going on, even following up. If you're you're going to see things every single day, of course, that may be the first time you've encountered it, you are certainly not expected to know everything or even most things about otolaryngology at this stage. So even following up with provider or a resident after the fact and saying, hey, I read up on this or really just whatever you can do to really convey that you are very interested and engaged in this learning process. That's really all that I'm looking for out of any rotator or applicant at this stage is enthusiasm and engagement. 
yeah, it's okay to say, I don't know. But then I would follow that up with, I'm going to look it up <laughs> and bring it back to you. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that connection with the attending that you're trying to, you know, foster Victoria. So can you get a letter of recommendation from your away rotation? Is that advisable? And from a faculty standpoint, how helpful is that? Yeah, so I think that's, especially when you don't have a home institution, getting letters of recommendation from your away rotations is very important because that's going to be how you get letters of recommendation from otolaryngology faculty on your application. I personally got uh, letters of recommendation from both of the away rotations that I did. I think in both instances, I was able to spend, like I was saying, a little bit more time with one or two faculty at institution, at those institutions, so that I was able to feel comfortable asking them for a letter of recommendation because I felt like they knew me at least a little bit. It's a very short amount of time. It's four weeks. Oftentimes, you're trying to meet as many of the faculty as you can. So Colorado does a wonderful thing where they officially give you two mentors so that you do have that baseline connection. And then at other institutions, I think you have to go out of your way a little bit more to make sure that you have some repeat interactions and can build that connection. I think it's great to have letters of recommendation from your away rotations if they go well, if you got a sense that they went well, because this is a really small community and the chance that someone knows your letter writer just increases as you get more and more letter writers from different institutions. I would agree with all of those comments. Um, I do think it is important to get letters from your away rotations. I think that if you do away rotations and you do not get a letter, then in some instances that might raise a question of why you may not have a letter from that experience. I think that, you know, numbers-wise, you're, you're limited in the number of letters you include in your application. So if you do three away rotations and you have a home program, you're probably not going to have room, so to speak, for letters from all of them. But certainly it is important to get letters from some of those experiences. And particularly if you feel like your experience was very positive and your performance was positive then it becomes certainly advantageous to you to get a letter from there. So on the review committee, and what has been your experience comparing letters of recommendation from home institutions versus away rotations? I mean, you can clearly tell, right, because you know the person's home institution, so you know which ones are which. Is there a general gestalt of a difference there? There is, and we understand, everyone understands that this is a very limited exposure, but it is an, an intensive exposure as well. So there can be um, very meaningful interactions and assessments that happen during an away rotation, even though it's a brief period of time that you are interfacing at that institution. So oftentimes, letters from away rotations will sort of be, uh, there will be those assumptions that is a limited exposure and that's okay. It just is what it is. But it is particularly as a reviewer, it's always particularly meaningful uh, to me when there is a very positive review from an away rotation because that really 
tells me that in some way you as an applicant stood out in that setting and and really kind of put your best foot forward and made a positive impression in a short amount of time. So they can be very powerful if you're having a good experience and a and a good letter as a result. Yeah, I, I tend to find them a little bit less personal, obviously, because they're spending less time there. But yeah, a good away rotation letter is worth more than, I mean, a glowing one is worth more than, I would say, a home program letter, because that's really impressive to me that they made such an impact in, in that short time frame. So how do you choose where to go for your aways? So using that VSAS service I spoke about earlier, they have a whole system where you can sort of rank, you can filter institutions by different metrics. So I came from a smaller program. So one of the things I was interested in doing with my away rotations was seeing what a bigger program was like. So sometimes people use these away rotations to get a sense of different size programs to see what they would like best and where they would learn best for residency. The geographic region is sort of the next big filter, and some people want to be in a particular area, and that's not where they're going to medical school. They want to focus their away rotations on that particular area. The places I chose to do my away rotations were two places that I would be very happy to live and had previous connections with, so that was one of the biggest factors for me in choosing my away rotations. Some people also choose them based on where they may have friends and family they can stay with because oftentimes you are covering two months of rent within one month and the financial implications of that are not insignificant. So I know several people who chose locations based on that. And I think there's also the line of thought that you can open up, quote, geographic areas by doing away rotations in different areas of the country. And I'm curious to hear both of your opinions on that, but that was something that was sort of talked about in the application process that if you're from the Northeast, people may want to assume you want to stay in the Northeast, but if you do array rotations in other areas of the country, it would show that you are open to going to other areas of the country as well. So that was sort of in the background of choose my choice of rotations. And then lastly, I've talked about this a little bit earlier, but there are scheduling constraints within your own medical school blocks and what other institutions' blocks are and if they line up or not. Some institutions are more flexible than others about making custom dates for your start and end date and others have only certain blocks and if it doesn't line up with your home institution, it may not work out. So that's sort of another logistical thing that has to align in order for the rotation to work out. Great, thanks. I'll just jump in and say that to your point or your inquiry about is it important to diversify yourself, so to speak, geographically? If you, you know, if you grew up on the East Coast and you trained on the East Coast and you did medical school and undergrad there, then I think it is certainly fair to say that the assumption is going to be that you're likely going to look to stay in that area. So I do think that that certainly can be advantageous. You know, if you legitimately do want to go to another geographic location, then having evidence of that intention with your away rotation choices can be certainly advantageous to you. Absolutely. So I would certainly agree with that stance. I would just add one other 
thing to the sort of algorithm and picking an away rotation is that if you feel that your home program has a certain deficiency in some subspecialty area, then you might try to seek out a program that has a very strong presence in that respect so that you can not only get that experience, but really start to think for yourself if that's something that is very interesting to you and and also kind of getting, again, some potential letter support from people in that area. Yeah, and I just want to point out too that if you do an away rotation, there's no place to put those in ARIS. So the only way that programs are going to know that you did an away rotation on your application is if you have a letter of recommendation from that institution or you mention it in your personal statement. So, you know, that matters for interviewing. If you want to geographically diversify based on an away rotation, you're going to need a letter or to mention it in your personal statement. Can you tell me a little bit more about your personal experience with your away rotations, Victoria? Definitely. So I had obviously an away rotation here at Colorado, and then I did one in California. And I would say overall, my takeaways was that it just reinforced why I wanted to go into the field because everyone that I met was so welcoming and so nice and willing to teach me. And I was just, you know, pleasantly surprised every day. I think one of the things that can be difficult about away rotations is that you're moving sometimes to a city you've never been in before for four weeks and trying to navigate the logistics of just how to get to the hospital and do you need to rent a car and those sorts of things are sort of background stress that you will need to manage while you're also trying to be engaged and show your best effort every day at work. So in that sense, they can be a little bit emotionally tiring and I would just prepare for that ahead of time and know that it is a finite period of time. And most of the people, most of the residents of these programs have been through that experience before. So they know what you're going through and are always happy to chat about advice uh, for the application cycle and how to be a better sub-I and those sorts of things. One of the things that will be required, I think, at pretty much every away rotation is a formal presentation at the end of your time. So that's something to be thinking about as you're going through your month. If you see an interesting case or there's something that you're really interested in, talking with that faculty member and sort of getting the ball rolling about thinking, you know, maybe this is something I'd want to present on at the end of this month, because most of the time you will be asked to do sort of a formal, short, but maybe 10 to 20 minute presentation at the end of your time. Another thing is to bring a suit with you. I definitely had some friends who did not bring a suit with them and then had to do the sort of formal presentation and to scramble and get a suit. But you may be asked to dress up nicely. So bring a suit with you just in case. Also, in case there is some sort of interview component at the end of your away rotation, it's great to be prepared with your own clothing. And Anne, tell me about your away rotation experience. I know it was a a little while ago, just like mine, but (laughs) just a few years ago, Um, I did an away rotation in California. Actually, so a little back story is that I am from the East Coast and I did all of my training 
on the East Coast. And I was very intentional about, well, it would have been fine if I stayed on the East Coast. I did not necessarily want to or demand to stay on the East Coast. So that was an important part of my strategy in picking the away rotation programs that I did. So the away rotation that I did was, I think, very well structured and really highlighted all of the different hospitals that the residents went to and gave some very designated specific time there. And really, I feel gave a very good feel for the program. And to Victoria's point, I did do uh, an emergency shopping trip, I recall very well, (laughs) towards the end of the rotation. So it is nice to come to come prepared. (laughs) I will say that in terms of anticipating requesting a letter of recommendation from the away program, and this is something that I recall doing, I did try to identify a person that I thought based on what I knew the exposure would be once I was there, who I thought I would have a decent amount of exposure to, and not waiting until the very end to ask for the letter of recommendation, sort of giving a polite heads up that the request will be coming and um, if they would be amenable writing you a letter of recommendation. So that, that also sort of gets them thinking about and evaluating you in a more active way so that you're engaging them in that from the from the beginning and that would be one other recommendation I would make is to try to ask earlier than later for the letter of recommendation. I will also just add a little bit more of what to expect on the day-to-day basis as a sub-intern. So you, depending on the institution, may be doing things that you're very familiar with, like coming in and helping the intern, make the list in the morning, those sorts of things, rounding with the team. And then typically your day will be split up. Usually in the OR, I would say most of your time as a sub is in the OR, but you also get some clinic time, which I think is nice to get a little more one-on-one time with attendings because most of the time you will not be one-on-one with an attending in the OR as a sub And Most of the time, you're not necessarily responsible for notes, although that has changed with the ability to now build for fourth-year notes, I believe. But when I was going through it, that was not a thing. In terms of a day-to-day basis, just trying to be as helpful as you can with getting supplies for rounds, essentially acting like the helper to the intern, and they will appreciate you so much, and the rest of the team will appreciate it because things will just move more smoothly. So that's sort of the day-to-day of what to expect. And part of the engagement that we talked about before too includes, and this sounds so simple to say, but making sure that you introduce yourself over and over and over again, (laughs) Um, particularly when we're all in the operating room and covered up in masks and hats and we all look the same. It's not that anyone is trying to ignore you, but they just may not realize who you are. So just making it a point to introduce yourself to the attending, to the residents, even if it's someone you haven't worked directly with before, to the other OR staff. And I would also encourage you to say, please let me know if there's any way that I can be of help that I am not doing. And just invite that engagement. So what happens if your away rotation doesn't go well? 
So I'll share a story. I did an away rotation and I'm not going to name the institution. And it was a long time ago, but it did not go well. The residents were clearly unhappy. The program was going through a transition, which I did not realize prior to applying there in their leadership. And there was a lot of turmoil going on. Do you think that there are ways to salvage that? Or is that just kind of you chalk it up to, I learned that I don't really want to match there. So I think that that is important information to glean from that experience. If you realize that this is not, for whatever reason, a program that is a good fit for you. Unfortunately, I know that's a, a big investment to make in a, a month of your time and limited opportunities for away rotation experiences. So that's unfortunate, but I, it is sadly the reality. It's going to be at, at some places. And I think if nothing else, you can take away that information of maybe this isn't the right program for me, or this program isn't at the right place in time right now for me. So if that's all that you do ultimately get out of it, I think that's still useful information. But I think it's also you know important to know that you're going to be training in a department for at least five years. And that change and transition is, you know, no program is immune to that. So knowing that that could be representative of your own experience going forward and and just, you know, chalk it up to a learning experience and knowing that that might be part of your future experience as well. So while disappointing, certainly, I don't think it's a not valuable experience to have that happen. What else would you like to add? I would like to say that another thing I was just thinking about and how to choose your away rotations is that my med school had a resource from past year students who had done away rotations and they sent us out a booklet of reviews and they had us after our season of away rotations had us put together a review. So that was very helpful And I was able to reach out to some of those prior students who had done rotations at different places and talk to them about that experience. And that is invaluable information to have. I also think that Otomatch is a great resource for those sorts of things and looking at past years and students often post about their experiences at different institutions. And you can also get a sense of how many away rotators they accept because that can be another reason for a rotation not going well is I have heard of some institutions that accept tons and tons of away rotators. And then it just sort of puts you in a a long line of visiting med students and may not be as valuable of an experience as you hoped it would be. So that's definitely something else to consider as you're choosing where to go. And I would say certainly engage your home institution education team for their insight as well. If you really are struggling with or not quite sure where to apply, certainly they would have some helpful insight as well to share with you. I just want to say that it can be really fun doing the way rotations because you do get to meet other applicants from across the country and you will see each other again throughout the rest of your time in residency and in the application process and interview process and at meetings. So it's also really fun introduction to the community of ENT. That was a wonderful bonus to the process. 
All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts about Away Rotations. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us and good luck to all the listeners. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, give it five stars and leave a review. Okay, let's dance.